0: oh hello my friends hello my life warriors wherever you are in the world welcome to the day in day out podcast Woo! today on episode 195 i have the immense pleasure of having oh steve johnson on he is a world-class executive management coach a consultant professional speaker amongst other things yes he has had 45 years in the wildlife
1: game as well i say no more
0: but sir how are you doing today
1: it's um, a great day here in johannesburg in, in south africa and uh, summer's on its way and bring it on bring it on Love yeah. it.
0: oh you slow down what's going on here steve you still there
1: bit
0: of a bad time, yeah. Ah, no worries, but you're back in the house. Yeah. You see, when you say summertime is almost here, it's kind of like, yeah, my summer's ending, well, our summer's ending here in the Northern Hemisphere. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's just kicking off you guys. I'm not going to lie, this year has not been a tremendous summer in the UK. It has been mostly wet, wet, and a little bit more wet.
1: (laughs) Well, it's been one of the coldest withers, uh, winters we've had here. And, you know, if, if you're saying what you're saying, it, who can deny that there's climate change kind of happening and affecting us? So, yeah, it's, uh, we're going to have to adapt. Well,
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, speaking of adapting, you have been in the wildlife conservation, is that wildlife conservation uh, for yeah. the last 45 years? Yep. what would you when I, oh, so yeah, to- when,
1: I, when I came out of university as a very young person 23 years old I went straight into it in Zimbabwe um, in those days and that, that was wild that was real wilderness in its greatest kind of sense that, that most people might think of Africa being um, mm. but it was yeah but it was fun days fun days
0: Yeah. So, like, over that 45 years,
1: you must have seen
0: quite a lot of change uh, with regards to like habitat, wildlife, and basically um, just the way conservation goes uh, as a whole. Um, Like, what would you say some of the sort of biggest takeaways have been uh, when you first sort of started?
1: Well, you know, I, I started in 1976, and, and interestingly enough, in 1976 there were around about 1.4 million African elephant on the continent in Africa. Okay, and those 45 years later, we've only got 450. So that's we've got one third of what we had at that point in time, um, and 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 many of those at at, at least nearly three-quarters of those 450 are in Southern Africa. Um, so, yeah, we've got a big responsibility to 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 look after the remaining 300,000, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that's been one of the biggest changes. <clears throat> and, and when you really ask, I brought that on. One of the biggest things that has had. Is with, with
0: oh Steve, you're really
1: slowing down. The population growth to, to, to fields for, for growing crops. So what I'm saying is that that you, you, they people had to live and, and so they took natural yeah. bush, mm. chopped the trees down just to grow crops to survive, you know. And so so the natural habitat that elephants and lions and buffalo and everything needed is just diminished and diminished into kind of small pockets yeah that's the
0: biggest yeah yeah so like this is the thing like with regards to like sort of the natural habitat being like yeah slowly but surely over that 45 years being taken over and like put into smaller pockets has it been kind of um like a sort of turnaround or is it still going the wrong
1: way let's say You know, it's a really interesting thing, and and without kind of blowing our own trumpet, if if you if you look at the 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 major parts of sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, it's mainly desert and quite arid. So much of the wildlife there has has, has been diminished. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So so in, in those three regions themselves, you, you know, you've got 150,000, for example, 150,000 elephant left. In our area where we've had very good practices, we've got good scientists, we've got good plans, we've got good systems in place. Mm. Uh, we've been able to manage and to look after the wildlife that we have in Southern Africa. And so largely, you know, we haven't seen the bad times um, that that those to the north of us have, but you know, when you look at that, what's happened to the north, it could very easily happen to the south if we're not careful. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, we uh, the, the the work that I do now is is to work at that very high level with governments and everything. I've just done a very big study for the British government on on um, on, on protecting you know biodiversity in some of our areas um and and you know if if we continue on the trajectory we have been we we will have our wildlife intact for a very long time i i can't say that you know for for the countries to the north in in some cases some countries yeah, a little bit but generally it's quite a bleak picture to the north um and and, and i'm not kind of as i said blowing our own trumpet you know our policies are robust you know we we just have have looked after what we've got
0: you know. Mm. so like this is the thing i'm one of the things which surprised me with what you said is like yeah the british government's involved because it's it's one of the, like south africa britain even like even though it's like former colony and part of the commonwealth it's like one of those things where you wouldn't expect that kind of involvement if you get
1: what i mean with wildlife conservation. You, you know, interestingly enough, the, the, the British government, together with you know the European Union and, and Americans primarily, mm-hmm. have put a lot of money into conservation in, in, in Southern Africa, into Africa, but a lot into southern Africa. Um, from the point of view, they know that we have such rich biodiversity here. You know, for example i'm just taking the elephant again and again and, and lion okay we we have very robust populations of elephant and lion in in like that area around victoria falls and if 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 the world doesn't come to our rescue and help us just get the foundation right mm-hmm. okay then we will lose it like the the, the 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 regions to the north of us have so so yes you are, you might you might ask why you know, have, um, why is the British government putting so much money into it? They, they're, they're big policy at the moment, okay? It's, it's three things, it's three things, okay? Yeah. It's bi- helping the world to stop biodiversity loss, helping people to live better lives in, in remote rural areas, and helping people to, to kind of um, be able to withstand the impacts of, of climate change. Um, and so they 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 are assisting five regions around the world. Mm. So, so they they're helping the Mekong Delta. They're helping places in South America, um, places in Africa, the, the area that I've been working in. Um, and, and so you know it's it's because your government realizes the importance of the global citizenry that we have. You know, you can't just say, "Oh, well, you guys down in the south there, we're going to just abandon you." You know, but <laughs> not like
0: that. Okay, yeah. Luckily, luckily. Yeah. Now, this is the thing when, like, when you talk about like sort of elephants and lions. Like, don't get me wrong. I, like, I am a person which l- I love a pack animal, and like when you talk about elephants and like basically lions, I, like I have a sort of like, yeah. They're cool and all, but it's not my favorite pack animal from like the African region, especially uh, in that area. Okay,
1: tell tell me which is interesting. Uh, wild dogs. Ah, uh, I you won't believe it. I have this afternoon just recorded a video I've made on wild dogs. Oh, ah, <clears throat> awesome! You, you know, as you said, I'm a I'm a public speaker, um, and and you know, one of the things I do is is I I record some of parts of my, 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 my presentations mm. uh, and I've just spent the whole day just doing that. Okay. And, and they're fascinating animals, fascinating. They, as I said in the, in the talk today, the, the, the video I've just made is, is that they, they, they're a machine. The, the, a wild dog pack is a machine. Oh, yes. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like if you look at a machine with all the cogs that grind together and move together, every animal in a wild dog pack knows its role, knows what it needs to do, they have such fantastic relationships, they communicate so beautifully yeah. that when they are on the hunt, okay, and, and something unusual happens, they, everybody's a leader. You know, there's another another of the wild dog that just in and you know takes over. Okay. So I can unpack animal.
0: Yep. Or you, you want a little bit garble? just
1: you dropped out. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just go over a bit of it again so you can yeah. pick it up. Is, is that, you know, it, it's the machine that every animal, every one of the members of that pack knows its roles, its responsibilities. So when they're on the hunt, if something unusual happens, then one, you know, one of the antelope runs this way or that way, mm. the animals that are nearest to it, they take over as the leader, you know. So there's no... When the hunt's on, there's no hierarchy. Okay. Everybody need, knows what to do. Okay. When they're back at the DEM, there's a hierarchy. You know, yeah. so that, that's what good businesses should be like. You know, not the top down structures, you know, very toffee nosed. You know, I'm the boss, I'm the CEO, you know, and I drive a Maserati or whatever it is. You know, no. mm. modern businesses succeed because everybody is made to be a potential leader when they need to be the leader in that instant. Okay. And so it's not a surprise to them. And that's how businesses today are going to actually survive is, is, is by being, you know, what, what we call agile and, and flexible and adaptable.
0: Mm. Like I would say there's going to be like, with regards to the sort of realms of business, I think with regards to, businesses being agile i think when it comes to sort of small and medium-sized businesses the more agile the better because in this sort of ever-changing world it's like yes um the people what can react to the sort of changes of that circumstance will like survive because if you kind of look at last year to this year yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, there was many a business what couldn't actually sort of function or like do anything, and now it's a case of more and more the businesses which have survived that sort of trauma of that pan- the pandemic yeah. have now become a lot a lot more diversified, a lot more sort of flexible in how they handle things and how they can run their businesses. Mm.
1: And and you know I, what I've found because you know I'm a, I'm an executive management coach. Mm. And So I use the wildlife as a metaphor for coaching executives, okay? Yeah. And, I, and I coach people right around the world. I've, I've got people that I'm coaching and in, in senior executives in, in London, and funny enough.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and what, what we are finding is that we are becoming more human. COVID has forced us to become more human. And what I mean by that is because of everybody being in the same boat and we're all brought down to the same kind of level that covid doesn't matter who it infects okay you mm. can be yeah. a ceo or you can be a cleaner it doesn't matter you know you 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 become humbled at a point in time when it it knocks you off your feet and and so there's a much bigger propensity for for the the executives of businesses to nowadays to be more compassionate, to be more empathetic, to be more reasonable in in their dealing with with their staff and being more equitable. And, and, and it's such a wonderful direction that the world is going in in, in that regard. Well, in, in the Western world anyway.
0: Mm. Like with regards to being sort of more equitable, um, how would you say that's manifesting in the workplace? Because when you say equity, it, it can mean it can manifest in a number of different ways how do, have you seen it manifest
1: first firstly because the ceos have realized you know that that they don't have as much control as they do under covid because mm. people just have to work from home now okay so they can't come into your office and 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 kind of shit on you, to use an expression, <laughs> because you're at home, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the whole the whole demeanour of the whole process is to be more understanding, okay, and, and more tolerant and lenient. That okay, fine. I'm in a Zoom call and my child climbs over my lap. And so you have a child in your meeting, in your executive board meeting. I've had that happen plenty. Okay. Dogs leaping on people's laps. Okay. Yeah. And people are just like more tolerant of the fact that you're living in this isolated situation and you're not so kind of stuffy about having a tie on all the time and everything. So it's cut down a lot of the barriers and, and, It it makes some not so much yet the equity from a salary point of view, but even that's starting to happen. Okay, Mm. where we have seen it happen, I have anyway, is is in in the gender side of things. Okay, Okay. where you 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 know face to face when you eyeball somebody in the boardroom and, and you're a woman, okay, you can be really intimidated. Okay, it's not so hard to do that in a Zoom call or in a Zoom meeting of executives. You can't bully somebody by just like giving them a mean stare across the table and saying like, "I'll get you," okay? Because it doesn't work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm worried about some of the companies you work
1: at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm very very um. I'm a futurist as well. Okay, I, I, I'm very much, despite my wildlife background. Okay. I, I see so much potential in innovation and 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 um, creativity, and artificial intelligent intelligence, uh, intelligence um, big data, machine learning, all of that stuff. Okay, is, is going to help all of us across the board. I can see it in the conservation field. You know, I'm de- I'm speaking to people in America at the moment. Um, you know what a blimp is? You know those dirigibles, those big air balloon things that they used to have in I think World War One and Two. Yeah. they they use them quite extensively in america now Um, but you know they've got them to such a fine art now that you you can have a dirigible blimp up there for eight days at a time okay Mm -hmm. it costs virtually nothing to have it up there like an airplane using petrol or fuel Um, you can have high intensity cameras on that thing that can look down over a, a national park or whatever you can use facial recognition software to actually identify individually, like a fingerprint, the back of each elephant. So, so you, can, you can actually identify like you do facial, facial recognition on Facebook. You mm. can do that for elephants. Okay. So you can track herds of elephants. Uh, that's that herd because that particular elephant is in it and, you know, or that he's moved to a different herd or whatever it is. Mm. So you can use it for, for monitoring their, 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 their movements for management. You can, you can use it for anti-poaching, you can use it for looking at how quickly settlements are happening or expanding and taking up the range of the elephants or whatever it is, et cetera. There's so many possibilities. The future is, as, as, as a, a big mentor of mine says, the future is pregnant with possibilities.
0: i would say the future is filled full of excitement and yeah yeah, Yeah. with new horizons opening across the board like when like sort of jumping back to with regards to the sort of realms of working from home and everything like this i would say with regards to the pandemic and how it's like basically forced a a large working (laughs) percentage of people into their homes or working remotely. I think it's like, it's been one of those things which I think it's gonna empower more people with regards to work flexibility. Um, So like, yes, when you say ladies, like, yeah, not having to sort of like stare someone eyeball to eyeball, I would say it will come down to more so to like, yes, uh, ladies being able to work from home, like basically ladies being able to be a little bit more flexible, and basically, people being more compassionate for if there was a child who was there who decided to jump up, people would be more understanding rather yep. than like, "No, what the heck is this child doing here? Come on now, you know." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And 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 I think you know, with so many companies having survived having their staff remotely, mm. um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I worked with the World Conservation Union, IUCN, okay, they, they've just had their big World Conservation Congress last week in Marseille in France, mm. every four years. And I, I used to work for IUCN in Harare in Zimbabwe in 1996 to 2000, in in an uh, office space in, in a rural, resi- not in a rural, in a residential area of Harare. And... I was talking to the, 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 the chief executive at the time and Harare is not a big place. You know, if, if you, if you jump in your car and you go home, it's like 10 minutes away. You know, okay. I, yeah. So I said, Jim, why, why are we paying rent and everything on this place? Why don't you just have a small little room somewhere as the chief executive? Okay. We all work from our computers at home. This was in 2000. Hey? Mm. We all work from our computers at home. And if you need us, you just tell us to get to your little one-roomed office, okay? We'll come in. We have our quick meeting, and we go back to our uh, thing. No, no, you can't do that. You know, we're an office. We have to be seen to be an office, okay? But yeah, twenty-three years ago, we were propounding, you know, this working from home, and here it's worked right across the world. (laughs) Yeah, well, like this is the thing.
0: Like, okay, um, twenty like twenty years ago, I would say. You could you could just about do it, if you get what I mean. But it's one of those things, like, with regards to internet speeds and stuff like that, it wasn't quite here. Could you imagine, like, if you could imagine, like, oh, if this happened in, say, the late 90s, the whole pandemic, no. You're right, you're right. <laughs> it just was like, okay, good luck. But, like, yeah. <laughs> happening now i think with the pandemic what it's done it's help um far like fast forward things by sort of five to ten years uh for many organizations whereas organizations would look at it and go "Hmm, how do we keep an eye on productivity and like what is going to be sort of the sort of work dynamics uh from like a lot of people working from home or like over a distance i think yeah. it's like I think there's going to be some things which are going to be worked out over the course of the next say, five years and they'll get like refine it and get it down. Right. But there it's been a practical work proof that, yeah. For the most part, it does work for the most part. You can get people here. Uh, the only time I would say it doesn't work is if you're like if you're just out fresh out of university or fresh out of school. You need that sort of extra hand holding, that sort of extra bit of training. Then I would say you do need to go into the office a little bit more.
1: So, than yeah, yeah. Not, you know, yeah. Now, they look. You, you're quite right. There, there, there's a point at which people are going to have to get out in the field. Yeah, you 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 can't manage wild places of Africa with elephants and lion from a desk like I am. You know, there's got to yeah. be people that are out there in the bush and getting dirty and flies around them and sitting around the fire at night and getting bitten by mosquitoes you know, it can be rough um, yeah but the, some of the some of the processes that support that to happen and, and to, to be to do it better okay um, that, you know that blimp the, the, blimp, yeah, part the blimp you're talking,
0: talking about thing. yes
1: one of, one of the things we've been talking to the manufacturers about is you you just put a a, a mini kind of satellite type thing up there, you know, whatever is helping us with our uh, internet and everything up in our satellite systems, okay, you can have those many ones that are just stuck under the blimp. Mm. So now it can go over wherever it is, people who are underneath the footprint of the blimp, okay, can have access to free internet or whatever it is, you know. So so people in rural areas who will never have, you well, know, not for not a long time, internet capabilities, you could at least help them with those kinds of things. Mm. Um, I I go back to a conference that I ran, uh, facilitated nearly 20 years ago, again, with with um, Vodafone, kind of from from Europe. Mm. And they were telling us at that time they had a thing called a stratolite, not a satellite, a stratolite. Okay, so it didn't go into orbit. It went into the stratosphere. Okay, which is like one set of hundreds of thousands of miles kind of below that. Um, And what I've just described is this mini kind of satellite that hangs below the big balloon. Okay. And and these weather balloons, exactly the same weather balloons that we get our weather information from. Um, And those you can have a little motor on it that's with a a, sun, a solar panel and it we can we call it geostationary it's got a little propeller on it and it keeps the balloon in a static position over a, a place that you program it to okay mm-hmm. um, that's what they were looking at 20 years ago okay so the the the, the 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 possibilities into the future in the next 10 20 years you know fascinating it it, it I, I i i dream about what it will do to help us look after lions and elephants and everything like that you know it, it'll make our lives a lot easier in many ways
0: yeah no i can i can only imagine because i can I, I wouldn't honestly know what the sort of footprint of like one of these geostationary uh platforms would be but i would say it'd be quite significant and yeah. with regards to having like yes with <coughs> our regards to having a stationary observational platform, which you can then also attach like uh like um basically a f- like four or five G sort of like yeah internet mm-hmm. like antenna to it that is huge benefits uh for yeah environmental and basically for local people as well because look uh, uh back in the day it would be you have to like hardwire everything in And now, Um, yeah, now you can put telephone masks in, but with that type of technology where you can like put up a weather balloon, keep it stationary, mm -hmm. and yeah, it could be there for days, like days at a time, and then you can just bring it down, put up a new one, and yeah, with not a lot of, not a lot of, not a loss of service. Uh, yes. That is going to be, yeah, quite revolutionally for, yes, for the whole region, um, if you go I mean, where internet would have taken
1: decades. To, did, did you ever live in the time we in, in Zimbabwe, we used to call the, the telephone system used to be called a party line? Oh. <laughs> so, so it was, it was a telephone, this is really kind of going back, it shows my age. It was a line that went from Harare, okay, to, or wherever, to, to, a point, okay. And everybody on the line <clears throat> was connected to that single line. <laughs> okay. And so you had the old crank handle thing to dial it. Okay. And, yeah. and if you picked up the handle and were speaking to somebody, you know, in Arari, et etc. Anybody else on the line, if they picked up the line, they could listen in on your conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but you could hear you could hear the little click as they lifted the handset, you know. <laughs> And you'd say, Mrs. Jones, I know you're on the line. Put your (laughs) your telephone down.
0: Don't listen in.
1: (laughs) And now we've got smartphones. Hey, come on. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But like, this is the thing, like, apart from the sort of observation things, like, how would you say, like, um, with either conservation, you've been like, sort of help utilizing this? Uh, How's it made your life
1: easier? Um, I was one of the first group of people that first started to move animals around by darting them and tranquilizing them. Mm. and while they were asleep, you put them in a truck and you move them somewhere else for whatever reason. OK. So I was part of the group in Zimbabwe that designed that special syringe dart that when you shot it at the animal and it injected the the, 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 the um, anesthetic into it, it, nice. it, it, it sleep. Okay. And, and progressively, those technologies have, have become you know, much more helpful to us in, in that, you know, um, putting collars around animals to track them, mm. Um, mm. E- even in, you know, having those same tracking devices, but that you actually cut a little cut in the, the stomach of an animal, you stick it in there in, in where it's not going to be infected, etc. You stitch it closed and it's there, okay? You can track that animal forever. Um my son runs a big game reserve here in South Africa, and and all across the game reserve, okay, they've got these big masts with cameras, and so he 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 can he can be in London and look at a camera on a certain section of the park and see that the guy is not doing his work, phone the guy and say, I told you to clean that, and you clean that, but not that, okay, mm-hmm. and, and like really (laughs) by remote control you can actually manage his park from around the world it's like a yeah so we're light years ahead and who knows with with the artificial intelligence and as um i i I was working with a a applied mathematician from one of our universities professor in um and he, he was actually doing predictive analytical modeling where I said, you need lots of information to be able to tell what's happening in that area. And he said, no, that information's on the internet. I can just program a a, a search question that'll go there and it'll collect all the information from photographs, from documents, from reports, whatever it is. Okay. okay, It'll it'll mine it. Okay. Like coal miners. Mm. All this data, push it, mash it together, and it'll come back to you and you say, is this what you want? okay and you'll say yeah, yeah yeah but it's likely you know I, I need more of that information okay so it's okay fine i'll go and get that for you okay it goes off once that comes back and now instead of being this size it's this size okay and then i know i need this now okay then it is this size and he, he said you don't have to be sending out questionnaires and all that kind of stuff you, it, there's so much information on the internet at this point in time that a lot of work can be done through this machine learning process.
0: Like with the machine learning process, is this for like conservation or is this for like uh, other
1: aspects? Because, yeah, would you say? Well, he, he was doing it for, for AIDS. You know, so so he, he was on a program, I won't say who it was for or whoever, but he, he, the data that they were collecting in the most rural areas of, of, of Africa mm. um, could tell you who in which village was taking their antiretroviral HIV AIDS medicines or not. Okay. And I said, but like, how do you do that? You know, surely like, he said, no, we, we just got the nurses and the permission from the government to track who they phoned. Okay. Without a name, yeah, okay, just the number. And so we could tell you, he, he was saying he could go to the government and say, there's a person in that village with this phone number. We don't know who he is, okay. Yeah. Or she is, okay. But she's persistently not taking her drugs and therefore is creating problems for other people. So you need to get hold of that person with that phone number and tell them to, to behave. Okay. Like really? And he said, yeah, r- almost right across Southern Africa.
0: Interesting. But is I'm yeah. um, I'm a little bit confused because, okay, I I understand it doing the distribution, but like, yeah, knowing that person's actually taking it, like, because it's like, okay, got like got these drugs here, you know, what I mean, it's been distributed out to that person, uh, but there's no way of knowing if someone's actually taking it or just throwing it down the toilet. If you get know what I mean,
1: if that's- <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. So, so what it is is, he's not coming to the clinic to fetch it. Ah, okay. so, so that's a simple thing. You know, you don't have to actually know anything about that person. All you know is that he's not fetching his medicine and he's not taking his medicine. So, mm-hmm. therefore, it could be infecting a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Know, so know. there's no loss of privacy or anything. No one knows who that person is except a phone number. You know, and you know. And
0: then they get caught. Yeah. yeah. But like this is the thing with sort of machine learning and like artificial intelligence. Um, it's one of those things where people, how can I put it, are quite suspicious and sometimes scared of the sort of realms of possibilities. Because like when you go, when you talked about, yeah, tranquilize it, like you developed a tranquilizer dart and everything like this. Um, what is the name of that place? There's uh, Boston Dynamics. With their like robots and stuff like this, I can imagine that like a Boston Dynamics robot having a tranquilizer dart sort of running across and, like, yeah, just like you know what I mean, just because it would be safer in some respects if a robot gets taken out, uh, yeah. rather
1: than a human being. Hey, no. why not? No, well, you know, it, it, it what fascinates me as a futurist is you know those kind of. Robots going rogue and you <laughs> know, going, blundering around the place. You know, like yeah, it's who knows. You know, I I read an article once recently. This is just something that might interest your your, your viewers. Mm. Is that in in 10, twenty years ago, the computing power of a laptop? You know, the one that you're looking into now that you have. Maybe it cost a thousand dollars then. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's take a thousand, the value of a thousand dollar laptop. Then it had the computing power, okay, of maybe a, 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 a small fly or something like that, you know, of the, of the brain power of a small fly.
0: Yeah.
1: Ten years ago, <clears throat> the computing power of a laptop that cost a thousand dollars was maybe up to um, a small you know, kind of insect, a bigger insect now the computing power of a laptop okay is maybe a mouse and in five years time it will be of an elephant okay and the computing power in, in 20 years time will be like all of the human beings on the earth combined the computing power of all of their minds okay and then when you get to 2050 okay then it gets exponential then it's like you know it's, it's a computing power of those people on earth I- every day <laughs>
0: yeah you see when that happens that's when i get a shotgun and yeah a bunker <laughs> with it like with a, a large supply of beans because it's like yeah if you've got something a survivalist yeah <laughs> if you got something that intelligent it's like i'm um, so why am i listening to you hairless monkey <laughs> it's like oh, no, i like uh, because we made you, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, okay, we'll I,
1: I, my my question in that in that article that I read is like, so in ten years' time, when it's like the computing power of every person on Earth, mm. what what would you want to do with that computing power on your laptop? What are you going to do with it? That that's not evil. Well, like this is the thing
0: I would say. It's one of those things where, yeah, we like anything can be used for good or evil. It always comes down to the individual. Look, I'm a strong believer of like, yes, most people on this planet, the vast majority of people want to do good. If they didn't, like, yeah, okay. Uh, The hellish landscape that would be, would not be good. And uh, yeah, we wouldn't have internet, we wouldn't have cars, like we'll just be running around, like packs of animals trying to take each other out. But thankfully, the majority of people are good. Um, I, With that much computing power, it's, the possibilities are endless. It might, like, yeah, might correct, like might find a cure for cancer or might just be like playing like some random computer game like Snake. Who knows? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> my, my hope in all of that, because I, I agree with you that, that most people in this whole world are just good, honest people who want to do good. Okay? Mm. There are some fringe elements, both sides. Yeah. I personally would like to see that our, our people on earth have a, a, a wonderful life, what, what they get fulfillment out of. And with that, okay, I I would love that that computing power is used to make sure that these beautiful creatures that we live amongst, the elephants and the lions and the wild dogs and everything like that, that they're looked after as well. And that in 2050, we haven't displaced them and they're all gone and we like living in this sterile kind of biodiversity, poor kind of world. Mm. Imagine a world without elephants. The elephant... is the epitome of the soul of Africa. The lion is the epitome of of the courage of Africa. And and imagine if both of those iconic species were lost to us. You know, like, we, we would have lost so much as human beings of these wonderful animals that we all kind of love so much. We might not have seen them, but... No, the, I know they mean a lot in your family, in your household, because you've either watched the Disney movies or you've watched The Lion King or something like that, and you have emotions about them, okay? And 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 that's what makes us human, is that we have those emotions that we attach to, to things. And and it would be such a terrible world if all of that's gone.
0: <laughs> now, you see, this is the thing, like there was this, like... I've always had, like, I always liked the wild dogs, as I say. But, like, there was this one bit of, like, I think it was done by the BBC. Like, there's a pack of wild dogs and, like, there's this leopard, like, stuck in a tree. And it's, like, it's, like, these wild dogs are just sort of, like, they're not out to harm this leopard but they're just out that they're just there just taking the mick just like i'm yeah just like oh look oh he's getting upset look he's getting upset and this leopard's like in this tree like i'm right he's <laughs> like okay, yeah. if i can get down i'm gonna mess you guys up and like, yeah dog pops up goes down pops up goes down then he looks over and sees the camera crew <laughs> he's like this leopard falls out of this tree rather un- ungracefully, hits literally every branch on the way down, and then proceeds in running at this camera crew. <laughs> oh, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, like, you just got all the wild dogs at the sides that's like giggling away I, in my imagination. <laughs> it's, like, I'm, <laughs> it's like, yeah, them, oh, God, I've got to say, the most disrespectful. Animal in South Africa who doesn't give a damn about anyone (laughs) as well.
1: Mm, The good old honey
0: badger got
1: yeah 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 yeah. now they're the tough nut. That's the tough nut. (laughs) Have you had
0: any run-ins with like either wild dogs or honey badgers yourself?
1: Yeah yeah lions and buffalo and everything. Oh yeah big stories big big stories yeah. But honey badgers yeah. I, I was in the Pools National Park, which is like one of the world's most iconic, beautiful places. You, it, it's full of all of the wonderful animals we've we'll been talking about. And you're allowed to walk around freely. there. It's the one park in the whole world. You can just walk around. Okay? Yeah. You take life in your hands. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were camping in the one campsite and, you know, open under the stars. And there was this big noise nearby. And I kind of woke up and I flashed the light. And it was a honey badger was in this big 44 gallon drum, you know, 210 liter drum. And he, you know, it's just his bum hang out and his legs, you know, but the rest of him was inside eating whatever it was. And when the light shone on him, okay, he came out like a Jack in the box and he looked at us boy and he snarled. (laughs) And I was 50 meters away. I was like, Oh, I'm not going to tackle you. (laughs) He's like, no, you're okay. You
0: carry on with what you're doing. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. get back in the bin. He's like, he's like,
0: he's like, nope. I'll take on a line rather than you, mate. You carry on. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Very so disrespectful, yeah. You're right. I like, Yeah, I don't think Honey Badger Respects anything <laughs> It's like, it's like I'm, yeah, I don't care I don't, not one Single fuck given Honey <laughs> Badger's like, oh yeah No, but like this is the thing Like, surrounded by that, all of that Sort of wildlife, it must have given You sort of a very interesting Perspective on life uh, Itself What? Hmm. Yeah. What would you say Some of the, like, sort of, like Major insights you've got from like, yeah, being involved in wildlife and, like, yeah, in your human life as well.
1: You know, the, the biggest thing is that we're all connected. Mm. We are all connected in the most beautiful, complex ways, okay, mm. that wh- whether it's me talking to you, whether it's, my reading an article about other people in other countries, whether it's watching animals. Um, it's the way we treat ourselves, whether we love ourselves or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that we, we show compassion and empathy, okay, our emotional intelligence, H- how we treat other people with respect and, and honesty and integrity. Um, how we treat animals, okay, with with care and, and 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 compassion as well. How we look after our environment,
0: mm.
1: you know, and 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 you know, often what pains me is because I work with a lot of the communities in Africa, very very poor communities, like the one community in in the Okavango Delta, the Tubu community. It's one thousand two hundred people, and out of the 1,200 people, 10 have jobs in that village. 10. Okay.
0: Why is that?
1: It's because it's a very, very remote area. They're an ethnic group called the Baye that are marginalized. Mm-hmm. The government doesn't like them for whatever reason. They seem to be different. They don't give a damn. Okay. They, they, they believe in their culture. Um, But when you look at those people, in in the 1,200 people, the 10 people are the older people. And then there's about another 40 people that own all the cattle. Mm -hmm. And then the rest survive on what little they can scrabble off the earth. But the the tragedy is in that, say, 1,000 that are scrabbling to get something out of the earth at least half, if not more, are between the ages of 16 and like 30. Okay. Mm. They've never had a job in their lives. They never will have a job in their lives. They want all of the nice things that you and I have. They want a smartphone. They want to have a, a TV and watch it. They will never have that. Unless they do something dishonest, unless they become aggressive or whatever it is. Okay. But when I lived with that community for 18 months, they were the most beautiful, honest people that I've ever come across. Mm. Every mm-hmm. single one of them. There wasn't one person there that was dodgy. Okay. There were people on the fringe that kind of were like a little bit aggressive, etc. But they respected each other. They knew each other, they were considerate of each other, they shared, and, and they, they epitomized everything that's beautiful about what our world could be. Mm. If we all were forced to live at a level where you had to, okay, where, where you didn't have the power to earn such strange money that some CEOs are getting, you know, when I hear some of the CEOs in your banks in England, you know, getting like, I don't know, a hundred million Rand bonus, a hundred million Rand pound bonus. Like what? That's like almost the economy of some countries. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. But like this thing, um, I would say with regards to like, when it comes to people, especially like, across the world like across this global community like one of the most dangerous things i think can ever happen is if there is if people don't have a purpose a goal something to help them sort of drive themselves forward doesn't have to necessarily be a dream like basically like people go oh what's the difference between purpose and passion passion is something for yourself and a purpose is like for basically the greater community, uh, what you want to bring to the world, and quite often, if you've got that type of unemployment and that sort of not like, and this I'm no socialist, but if you've got that sort of uh, wealth capture in a play in a like community where ten people work, and then maybe another ten people have got all the cattle, and then everyone else is like, yeah, scrimping just trying to get by but you like you've lived amongst them and you went yeah they've managed to be decent like people amongst themselves and everything like this which is a beautiful thing but would you say that community had a greater purpose for themselves or was there any sort of purpose hope desire to sort of move forward uh just like you know i mean not even to get a mobile phone or a TV, just like, yeah, to just make things better within their community.
1: Yeah, they, they did. They, they absolutely did. And that's what I spent 18 months doing with them, it, it, it was to walk them through the strategic process, the planning process of understanding who they are, how rich they were in their culture, their beautiful culture, beautiful, beautiful culture. How, 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 how many wonderful natural resources they had around them, but they didn't know what to do with that wealth, okay? They didn't, how, they didn't know how to turn it into something that was economically viable and enterprise, uh, you know. Mm. <clears throat> they, did, they, they, they were so remote that they didn't know the possibilities that existed out there. They didn't even know that people loved, would have loved to come to their village and just been with them, okay, like I was. Their purpose was to be better, okay? They didn't, mm. they didn't want to be... The richest people in the world, but mm-hmm. they didn't want to be the poorest people in the world either. Okay, they just wanted nice things. Okay, and and to me, that was the equity. That what they showed me, what the lesson they taught me was the equity isn't being a socialist. Okay, the equity isn't being, I want to be at the very top. Mm-hmm. It's it's, I want just to live a decent life, but I don't want that person who's living an extra decent life, a, a, a totally grotesque, luxury life, okay? Why can't we just kind of meet somewhere in the middle and, and we, we all are happy with, with what we've got, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I eminently think that's possible. I think it's eminently possible that with, with, a, with, with a different understanding that we, ha- we need to have in our world, and, and I think we're moving in that direction now after COVID is that there'll be a bit of a, a better balance. Okay. I won't say there'll be an absolute equity, but those people that are down there won't be ever worrying that they'll never have a job in their life, that there will be something that comes into their lives, into their communities, tourism or whatever, that they will have some employment or something. But those people with those grotesque amounts of money, they that shouldn't be allowed either. You know, it, it's just like, yeah. Is, is it greed or need? Hmm. That, that's what I always ask.
0: Like this is the thing, like you could say it's partly greed. You could say it's partly need, but I would say also it's a case of, um when it comes to sort of business, it's a case of it might be a marker of just how well they've performed in the realms of business don't get me wrong there's some people who exploit the hell out of something but they don't really do any good at all but when it comes to sort of money it it's a very i i would say it's not as straightforward as a relationship or as it should be in the world money is a tool to get things and it helps and money is an amplifier of people's personalities It's not like it's not evil, as many people go. Money is evil. No, the love of money, that's evil. But it's a case of I see it as an amplifier and the tool uh, for people. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I think we we need to be holding our people who have that power more accountable or for how they treat other people. Okay. So so I'm I'm gonna give your, your 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 listeners or your viewers something. There's a group in South Africa called the Elephant Group. Yes. The Elephant Group. Okay. So so that you, you can Google that. Now they used to be a mainstream kind of consulting company, hardcore, profit-driven, et cetera. And one day their CEO just decided that it, it was wrong to be just like driving this avarice, this, this, this kind of lust, okay, for money. And so they turned their whole company into something that's not so driven by profit, but but with social accountability, Mm. social consideration, environmental consideration, what they call the triple bottom line. Okay. And there is an example of a, of a company, the Elephant Group, okay? That, why can't all companies be like them? Okay, it's just it's like the question I asked. Why must there be those people out there that have all of these massive big luxury yachts or whatever it is, you know, and, 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 and I, their own islands, and whatever. Mm. Why can't they be doing stuff that is so much more... Um, in tune with a a harmonized way of looking at things. We in Southern Africa have this thing called Ubuntu. I'm sure you've heard of it. Okay. It's a principle. Okay. And really what it says is that I am who I am because of who you are and I live among you. Mm -hmm. Or who we are. Okay. So, So if you take that as the principle that I am only who I am and you are only who you are because of what I allow you to be or what you allow me to be. Okay. But when we allow those people to be greedy and kind of arrogant and deceptive or whatever it is, or just having so much money and they can't ever do anything with that money. Some of the people have got billions of dollars. What are you going to do in your life with billions of dollars? i ask you like, really? Come on but you know so why, why why aren't there more organizations in the world that just adopt that philosophy of of being more equitable we're not saying they mustn't they, that they' are socialist or whatever just more equitable more caring considering and considerate of others <clears throat> and then all of those other people that are, are extra super rich they become the outliers and and the pariahs everybody's looking at them and saying like man we don't really think you should be like that And we will not really accept you into our Ubuntu until you actually kind of share a little bit. Come on, just share a little bit (laughs) with the rest of us. Not everything, but come on. Yeah, so that was the big lesson that I got out of conservation, because when you look at herds of elephant, there is the epitome of a society that is like so beautiful. Mm. a a, a friend of mine one of my mentors when I was in national parks in in Zimbabwe he was in Ndbele which is the same group of people as the Zulus he once said to me we were out on patrol and we were looking at the herd of elephants I was very young then 23, 24 and he said and it means in an elephant herd Everybody belongs, and nobody's left behind. And when you look at an elephant herd, it's just this beautiful community of creatures that care for each other. You don't get a lot of fighting. You don't get a lot of, you get a little bit of kind of play fighting and stuff. Like that. But if, if someone drops behind, they other elephants go back and, pull them back up and bring them in, back into the herd. They protect each other. They look after each other. They nurture each other. Yeah, and and I use that a lot in the metaphors of my executive coaching. In, in the, you know, I'm a world-class um, executive coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I work with top people around the world. And I use the elephant often as the, the, the metaphor of, don't you want to be a leader like that? Don't you want to have a legacy where when people, when you've moved on into another space in this universe, that people say he treated us or she treated us like real human beings. We were considered to be part of the the company's whole community and none of us were left behind and we all belong. There are very few CEOs that I tell that story to that don't get a tear in their eyes or actually kind of think, hmm, I'd like that as a legacy. That's something I would want my staff to say about me at my funeral.
0: Mm. I hear you. I hear you. And, but like, this is the thing, like when you say this to like many a CEO, it's a case of how many of them would you say actually decide to start putting into practice or like go okay i mean fully into practice uh or just like a like it's a great thing you say there but mm, no not for me
1: do do you know one of the funny things is that the higher you go in those realms the lonelier you get okay Mm. (laughs) yeah and you ask any of those very big leaders that are at the top there, boy, where the decision can cost millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions of pounds, okay? It's a lonely, lonely, lonely decision that you make. <clears throat> and how do they get to the top? Very often, okay? They took a lonely path there because their choices were to work hard, work late, and, and, and hardly ever be with their families. And so they have dysfunctional families. They get divorced or whatever it is. And so, so many of them, you know, of Maslow's hierarchy, you know, when you get to that, that, that point of, of, of um, self-actualization, where you, you, you suddenly you've, you've done everything in life. You, you, you've got more money than you can ever dream of. Okay. Mm. You, you've been to every place on earth. And then suddenly it kicks into your brain. And uh, it's a CEO after CEO after CEO. Suddenly says, what's my purpose in life here? What what did I, why have I done all of that stuff? Okay. And lost, I've married three or four wives, lost my kids. They don't talk to me anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And here I am, a lonely old man. And what have I contributed really to the world? And what legacy am I going to be leaving behind And then they have a lot of self-doubt and a lot of them go into a a period of reflection where they want to have a meaningful life. They want to leave a legacy. They want to be uh, enriched in their spirit. Okay. That at that point in time, when they're called to be the dust of the universe, okay, that they can actually go with a a light heart and not a heavy heart that like, ah, I was just a greedy old bastard.
0: All right? But like, this is the thing. I'm like, I have to push back slightly on you, Steve, because look, there are going to be these like, uh, yeah, with regards to how you say it, yeah, there, like, there are going to be the, those people which embrace that ideal. Like some people might go like, it's a little bit of a rom- romantic ideal, but like the whole thing is there are going to be that, that hardened group of people, which, yeah, they measure success by like either building something yeah big grand and like they see their company as their legacy uh they see like yeah them handing over this business to the next generation as their thing and like yeah they might do some charitable good along the way but it's not going to be the most important thing or their driving force uh to do that because look amount of people you see out there who like yeah who own companies and like they're like yes they might have the fast car they might have the big yacht they might have the private island and stuff like this their family life I don't know might be perfectly fine or it could be incomplete utter tatters because to get certain things in life there is always a price to pay um so it's not gonna like I can't I can't as much as I would love to agree with you wholeheartedly and go, yeah, you know what, you're right, basically, yeah, but there are dis- there are groups of people which their legacy is going to be very different to how you've painted it, you know,
1: very much. Yeah, I know, and 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 I get you. Okay, my, my point is though, why should we allow them to have that soft exit? Okay. <clears throat> Because they, they've had an inordinately good life on the backs of other people, okay? And so why should we allow them to have that legacy? Mm. What they feel that is that legacy, okay? Um, th- there should be enough of a, of, a, of a feeling in our world that says that it's not acceptable, okay, to to, to have written on the backs of those people to that yeah. degree that you have okay and and I, I know, like, there's some people you know I, I just think have got that power, that wealth by not by default. Some some do uh, you know get inherit, but there's some people that have got software companies and things like that who who um by chance, okay, um, have given them enormous power, enormous power in our world. Okay. And they can they they can dictate what's happening in many instances. Mm. My my parting shot to you is why should we allow that? That's my question. Why should we allow it? Because it's not in the it's not in the interests of the good of humanity. Hmm. But this-
0: Like, it's always going to be one of those things which is going to be kind of difficult because, look, if you like, if you kind of look at how things were back in the UK, like, if you went back hundreds of years ago, like, way back, like, when it was mostly, yeah, people just like farmed the land and just did this. And, like, they basically were sort of pretty much pocketed to what they could actually grow, and that was it. The sort of standard of living and everything like that was not good, and you if you see that in sort of modern day times, like life expectancy and hardship, which comes with that, isn't good. And don't get me wrong, when you've got people like if you take if we fought, like if we jump to say somewhere like Apple, with Foxconn and where they make iPhones and stuff like this. Where they have to put out suicide nets uh outside the building. That is not good. But if you kind of look at China 30 years ago, many of those people would be tilling and filled. Which which is better, I don't know. But if you like if you ask them like some of them, they might go, yeah, that wage packet has made a hell of a lot of difference to my life than. Just work in a field or something like that You know It's a difficult one As much as I would like to go Yes it's just cut and dry This is the way it should be mm. I can't just say Yes yeah, it should be that way Or it should be this way I think some like there has to be some sort of balance Brought into it With some regards to some people How their like, wealth has grown Exponentially uh, over this sort of eighteen months,
1: but hey, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, it, it's been a fascinating discussion with you, and all I hope <clears throat> is that from what people here call me the silverback, you know, like a like a silverback gorilla. Okay. Yeah, yeah. From a silverback in Africa. Okay, I just hope I've left some people out there that listen to your, your, your vlog or your, your blog with some th- thoughts that, yeah, may- maybe, maybe some question marks now are in their mind as, as to maybe I should view the world differently. And if, if I've achieved that, okay. And, and with your wonderful kind of I- interviewing, okay. I, I think we've done a good job. Okay. It's just to make people think.
0: Yeah. And like, this is the thing, like, with like with people like yourself in the world, and I think asking these questions, which have to be, I would have to say, have to be put to society on a regular basis, to like go, yeah. uh, okay, it, like, the world is full of checks and balances. If you don't go ahead with these checks and balances, and you stay silent on many a thing, or you go, oh, that's the way it sh- always has been, and that's the way it's always going to be, yeah, you you end up in a very weird place sometimes a very dark place and without sort of questions which are being asked like people like yourself uh, to go right without these sort of discussions and these conversations happening how can there be possibly be an option for another way an option for another direction an option to maybe like yeah do a quantum leap to something completely different If you don't have these discussions if you just go this is the status quo then i would say the world will be so much poorer
1: without without it yeah yeah and and at some stage it would be really wonderful if you get out to africa and we get you up to go and spend just one night just one night with the tubu community you would fall in love with them, and you'd understand my whole argument. Uh, if, if, if you were one of those young 30 years olds that lived in that community and what future y- you didn't have to look forward to, okay, I, I, I can't imagine that you wouldn't come out of there a changed person. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is the thing,
0: like there like there are many people who go, yes, like just like yeah, to succeed in life, just put like pull up your bootstraps and like away you go. Like, mm-hmm. look, life, there are certain like there are certain places in life, yeah, you have to do that, but you've got to understand that sometimes the game of life is not giving you a fair, equal hand. Uh, you're starting way behind the eight ball and you've got to do a hell of a lot of work to get ahead of that uh, so like yeah being able to sort of experience different communities and sort of get like an idea of different perspectives about of other people around the world yeah it's very important and look this is part of the reason why I do my podcast because look
1: wonderful
0: yeah it's okay of- so
1: and, and you do a wonderful job yeah. I must say you know just just your whole approach to to it, I, I, I'm just giving you a bit of praise here. Is, you know, it's a platform. I'm I, from how you just kind of questioned. You no, know, you didn't even question, but you you went with the thinking. Um, we need these discussions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at any stage in, in 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 you know future, if you want me to back and we can talk, talk about other things, you know, I'm I'm an artist. I, I paint pictures. I, I I do all sorts of art and stuff like that. You know, um, we can talk about a whole different line of things, but it's just getting people to think differently that is so essential in our life. Yeah. And our world. yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Put it this way: in this, like, in this 21st century world we live in at this present time, more like more and more people have been coming so sort of diametrically opposed with like to like ever having a conversation to other people's ideas and stuff like this well it's this team or nothing and you'd like go right if you're not prepared to talk about it you never know what can come out of these conversations look out of (laughs) conversations good ideas come out of it and bad ideas come out of it hopefully the bad ideas like go off and die and like the good ideas like start to thrive and grow and like present the whole world like prevent like present new options where you can go down so it's like yeah for me as I say doing these conversations have like speaking to people all over the world it's most important and I wish more people could do this uh, on a regular basis look communication is one of the most powerful things we can we've ever got On this place through communication new technologies come out of it through communication like new ideas come out of it through communication new communities like yes medicine array of things and like so so many things come out of it but when we stop talking when we stop communicating when we stop doing all of these things and like yeah get more and more entrenched in our idea like ideas and thoughts we cease to grow as a society and when i say as a society i'm not talking about the uk i'm not talking about the south africa i'm not talking about individual countries i'm talking about as a race and yeah you can you kind of i can't say we are going backwards but it doesn't feel like we're going forwards a lot quickly as we should be with all the stuff we've got right now at our fingertips. Phones which are more powerful than like their like, uh, the Apollo like rockets with uh, yeah. send people to the moon. Uh, yeah. Being able to like speak to anyone for no cost whatsoever anywhere around the world with just a device in your pocket. But it doesn't feel like with the leaps and bounds we've taken with that technology, it's been a leap and bound forward with the way we think as a society as the way we think and grow with that communication uh, rather than sort of dropping into sort of our little echo chambers screaming and shouting that yeah. each other, you know
1: well, yeah, well you play you 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 play a very important role in 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 providing the platform p- p- for people to to talk and engage and to speak and um, i just thank you for having let me come on your program and uh, it's been wonderful
0: no worries no worries at all like i'm like, very happy to have you on today you know and yeah i'll definitely get you back on in the My privilege no problems can you tell the people how they can find you out there
1: yeah so so i'm, I'm part of world class coach okay yes. so if you look at worldclasscoach.online, Yeah. That that is the, the one thing. And and the other element of me from the conservation side of thing is growth leaders. Growth, or one word, growth, lower capital, growth leaders.co.za. Growthleaders.co.za.
0: Hmm. Excellent.
1: Excellent. I would love to hear from people and and be in touch with them right around the world. Perfect.
0: Now what I'll do, I'll put all of the All of this information in the notes and show description. So please, yes, please find Steve. uh, Get on it and, yeah, make a connection out there. Make a connection. Yes. (laughs) i like to say thank you for coming on today, Steve. It has been a pleasure, a joy, to say
1: the least. Likewise. Yeah. You're a good man. You're a good man. We need more of you. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm working on it. Working on it. One day. One day. Yes. Thank you, Steve, and yes, no worries. Yeah. I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, uh, for sticking with us uh, up until this point. I'd like to say please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic, be all the positive bees you can be in this world, and then some, my friends.
1: Yes. Peace. And we are